0: Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart podcast, episode 57. I'm your host, Derek Moore. And today, this week, we're going to be talking about the big short movie and more specifically, trying to explain what the heck these credit default swaps, the instrument they keep referencing in the movie. What are they? What do they do? How much do they cost? Who uses these and how would you use them? And honestly, it's not really a retail product. This is a a product that Large institutions uh, might use uh, their, they trade over the counter, a little bit uh, complex. But recently, I, I watched the movie again. It was on TV, and it's uh, you know it's one of those if you're into finance and if you're into the markets, uh, it's I think it's a great movie to to take a look at. I'll, I'll put a link in the, the show notes to it. But The Big Short was based upon the book by Michael Lewis under the same name. So Michael Lewis is the same author who wrote The Blind Side. I think he wrote The Blind Side. They turned that into a movie. Uh, Flash Boys, about the flash crash. Moneyball, which got turned into a movie starring Brad Pitt, talking about how they used analytics to build baseball teams. And uh, they had a different way of really a quantitative method of, of looking at how runs are scored and uh, not necessarily just looking at the athletic abilities, but look at the stats behind it. But he wrote the book called The Big Short. And The Big Short came out of the, the financial crisis. And in the book, he follows around really, I think it's three different entities. One is Michael Burry, who runs a hedge fund. And he bet against mortgages using credit default swaps. Uh, Chris Chris Mark Baum. Mark Baum. And uh, by the way, Michael Burry in the movie was played by Christian Bale, the same person who played Batman. He was in The Fighter, a number of different movies. Mark Baum uh, is played by, so they run a hedge fund. Uh, That character is played by Steve Carell. Of course, Steve Carell was the manager in the office. And then you have a small, you know, up and coming or emerging uh, hedge fund uh, and I don't remember the actors' names, uh, but that was Brown Capital, I think, is who they represented. But they followed these people in the book. And the whole idea is that the big short, meaning when you short something, you're betting against it. So you, you hope that it goes down. And unlike, you know, you buy a stock, you hope it goes up, you buy low, you sell high. You want to sell high and then buy lower or have an instrument that pays off uh, materially, if something goes down. And so it could be a derivative, it could be, I'll explain these credit default swaps and things like that. But the movie uh, follows these people around and, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, according to the book, uh, Christian Bale, who plays Michael Burry, uh, he wants to, to bet against housing. And so he wanted to essentially short mortgage bonds. Now, one of the things that they did leading up to you know in the in the early 2000s it was early 2000s might have been earlier than that actually i might be mistaken but they sort of came to a little more prominence is the idea that you would securitize mortgages so what does that mean it means let's say you create a bond which contains hundreds or thousands of mortgages and all these individual mortgages you package all all those up and you issue this this mortgage bond or collateralized uh, uh, obligation, right? And all these mortgages. Theoretically, the investor in the bond gets the cash flows from the mortgages, but they also bear the risk if there's material defaults. And there's also an interesting thing too: if rates go down and people close out their mortgages early, you're not defaulting on them, but in essence, you're you're missing out on some of the the cash flows. So back to the the movie, The Big Short. So Christian Bale, Michael Burry. Um, character. He decides he wants to to bet against mortgage bonds. And he goes through and he looks at the underlying positions, meaning each and every bond in some of these, um, these mortgage-backed securities. And he decides that, uh, you know at least the way they portray it in the movie, that a number of these are actually at risk of going bad, uh, that even though they're rated very highly. So when you rate a bond, AAA is the highest rating, highest credit rating for a bond, very likely to pay back and pay back the interest payments, and then you go double A, single A, triple B, double B, single B, and then below B, you wind up with junk, uh, you know, more like junk bonds. So um, anyway, the uh, he goes in there and he tries to he goes to apparently to Goldman Sachs. I think he went to Deutsche Bank, uh, Bear Stearns, Bank of America. Um, I think that's the list. I might be transposing some of those. But essentially, what he wants to do is he wants to have a product that would pay off if a lot of these go bad, and so this is where we we come into the whole idea of the credit default swap, and it's a it's kind of an interesting name. But before we, you know, I'll, I'll explain what this is and sort of really how it relates to the movie. And by the way, if you you could also look at this as sort of a guide when you if you listen to this and you go watch the movie, you'll be like, "Oh yeah, okay, I see what that terminology they're using." So basically, um, let's talk think about like car insurance. And when you have when you buy car insurance, what do you do? Well, you pay a monthly premium normally. Usually it's monthly. So you pay this premium, I guess you could pay it off all in one one check at the beginning of the year. But let's just say you're paying monthly premiums. And for that premium, you basically insure not only your vehicle, but if you, know, you hit somebody else and, and you're sort of assuring, insuring damage on somebody else. But let's just think about your vehicle for a second. So you buy a car, $30,000 car. You pay you know 100 bucks a month for your insurance. That's $1,200 a year. If uh, and hopefully there's no injuries or anything, but let's say you're total, you left your car, you parked your car near a cliff and you forgot to put the brake on and your car rolled off the cliff without you in it and your car gets totaled, right? So what happens? Well, the seller of the insurance is on the hook to go and buy you a new car. And so you paid for basically, you know, you you put your premiums up, you're $1,200 a year, your hundred bucks a month. You total your thirty thousand dollar car. Uh, let's say that uh, your car, even though it went off a cliff, it still has you know about two thousand dollars of residual value. I'm making this up, right? But let's say there's some parts in there you could salvage and and sell for two grand. So what happens in our example here? The insurance company has to replace your car, so you know they got to pay thirty thousand. Um, there's about what did I say two thousand. For $3,000, I forget what I said. Let's say $3,000 of residual value. So really, uh, let's say at the end of year one, they took in $1,200 of um, premium payments. And they also have that salvage value of about $3,000. So if you look at the salvage value and you look at the premiums that was paid, that's $30,000 minus that. They're on the hook for $25,800. Okay. So I bring up the car insurance example because it's a little bit, it's sort of similar to what the credit default swap is. It just works a little differently you know, when you think about it. But conceptually, it's like, okay, you own, you own insurance on your car. And basically, if, if you total your car, um, the seller of the insurance is on the hook for it. Now, the reality is the insurance companies are selling car insurance to many, many people, and their their probability or their their profits come from the fact that um, the probabilities that people will get into an accident on the same day is very low, and so they're spreading out the risk. The idea is over time they have to pay out, but the premiums they take in are more than what they have to pay out. So, how does this play into a a credit default swap? Well. One way of looking at this, too, is imagine if I could buy sort of insurance that would pay out if you totaled your car. So think about it that way. Uh, And that's really what gets into a credit default swap. Imagine your $30,000 car. uh, I could pay premiums. And then if you total your car, I would theoretically get to profit on the difference. And so a credit default swap is similar to that. Um, and so when we think about these products, and uh, again, this, is, this could be used, uh, credit default swap or CDS, these are institutional products. Like, don't go out and buy one of these or sell one of these. But uh, they can be used both to hedge uh, a current holding. So you might own something, and then you buy this as a hedge. It could also be to speculate on the underlying asset. And the buyers of CDS or credit default swaps, they pay an annual premium. That premium is called the spread. Now, the spread, really, whatever the spread is, that refers to what your annual premiums would be. So a lot of times we think about the spread, it might be, oh, the difference between the bid and ask on the stock, or the spread between treasury bond yields and high yield bonds. So when we say the spread on credit default swaps, we're pretty much saying, How many basis points, and I'll explain what that means in a second, what's the percentage annual premium you have to pay on this? So the buyers of credit default swaps, they're paid out if the underlying goes bad, loses value, or they have a credit event. And this gets a little bit complicated. Um, And so what a credit event is, it's probably beyond the scope of this. Um, But the sellers are on the hook to pay out on these credit default swaps. And so what OK, a little, little bit more on these, and I'll, I'll get back to sort of the movie and the example. So the spread is shown in basis points. And basis points is how we refer to interest rates. So for example, let's say the, the Fed funds rate, the Federal Reserve, goes from 1% to 1.25%. That 025 that quarter percent move, would be considered 25 basis points. So 1% is equal to 100 basis points. Um so 100 basis points would be 1%, 10 basis points would be worth, you know, 0.10%, so a tenth of a percent. And then 1 basis point is equal to 0.01%, so 1/100th. One one so 0.01, 0.001 and 0.0001. Okay. A little bit of a way to do this. If you see something quoted in basis points, just divide it by 100 and that gives you the percent. In other words, if something if the spread is 250 basis points, Divide that by hundred, and pretty much that's two and a half percent interest. Okay, but a lot of times you'll you'll hear these referred to as spreads or basis points, and that's kind of what we're talking about. So Michael Burry goes in, and he uh, in the movie he sits down with Goldman Sachs. He says, "Look, I, I want to bet against these these mortgage bonds," and what they say is they they agree to uh, to sell him some credit default swaps. But he'll have to come up with, uh, he'll have to pay premiums, either monthly or annually. I forget what it was. And so they, they came up with basis points or the percent. Um, and basically what happens is now Michael Burry, uh, played by Christian Bale in the movie, is in a contract with Goldman Sachs. And so he pulls out a prospectus. He says, hey, I, these are the, the bonds, the securities I want to buy credit default swaps on. I think he does $100 million of these. And so basically, he has a contract with Goldman Sachs. And so if the underlying bonds go bad, and uh, you know obviously, they taking in some premium, but they would have to pay out potentially a subta- you know, substantial amount if the, the products go bad. And so he has now a contract with Goldman Sachs. And this is a key point, because- one of the things with these credit default swaps that you found out is they had counterparty risk, and he even says this, and, and they kind of make light of it. He said, uh, you know, he's a little bit concerned about Goldman Sachs' ability to pay out on these in the event the mortgage bonds should fail, and they kind of laugh at him because you think, well, it's Goldman Sachs, how would they not have the money? But when you're buying these, um, you actually have it, the ability of the the uh, the other party in the transaction. They have to have the money to pay out on these. And so for example, if he would have done one of these with Lehman Brothers, when Lehman Brothers went bankrupt, he would have not gotten paid. He might have been able to hedge it in other ways. He put a, could have done a swap on a buy a credit default swap on Lehman, or he could have you know, used derivatives on Lehman. But uh, you know, that gets a little complicated. So you do have counterparty risk. And that's why in the movie, I think they spread them around to a couple different investment banks. And one of the the challenges for these banks then, uh, they when they sold these, and the mortgage bonds started to go bad. That's one of the reasons why the financial crisis was was, in, was in, I shouldn't say interesting, but it it got a little bit uh, dicey because you had these firms that all of a sudden were counterparties on these products, and when they went bad, um, there's a lot of leverage there. And so to kind of explain that, let's say um, Michael Burry's. Went in there and said, uh, Yeah, well, let's instead of 100 million, let's say he, he bought a million dollars of a CDS credit default swap on these mortgage bonds. And let's say the the premium, uh, I think he only paid 20 basis points or 40 basis points, which is less than 1%, right? But let's use this example. Let's say it's 250 basis points was the annual, was the spread. And that means that that divided by 100 is 2.5%. So he buys this million dollars of credit default swaps, and two and a half percent on that annually is twenty five percent. Let's say it's a five year CDS, and that means for the next five years they own that uh, the credit default swap twenty five k a year. So, in theory, over five years you pay one hundred twenty five thousand. Now, let's say the, the the bonds default and go to zero at the end of year five. So, what does the buyer of the CDS receive in theory? He gets the million dollars because they've gone to zero, and it was a million minus the one hundred twenty-five thousand paid, so nets about eight hundred seventy-five thousand. So for a little bit of money, wound up with getting paid out a lot. Now, if the bonds don't go bad, well, the problem is he's paying out each and every year. And in fact, there's another scene in the movie where some of his investors come in and start yelling at him because they're like, "What's your monthly carry on this?" And you know, he's short. He has a lot of these credit default swaps. And he's paying a lot of money in premium, which if the event doesn't happen, so somebody can be right about something, but get the timing wrong, and still wind up losing money, even though they were right. So imagine these bonds don't go bad for five years. He's paying out all this premiums 10 years, right? So the reality is that a lot of times, if there's a credit event, uh, bonds might not go to zero. Maybe they, they're trading at $0.40 cents on the dollar, right? So they lost 60% of their value. So in that case- Same million dollar bonds, if they're trading at 40 cents on the dollar, now they're worth 400,000. So, what does the CDS holder theoretically capture? Well, the million dollars minus the 400,000, which is 600,000 minus the 125K they paid over five years. So, they would net about 475,000. Okay, really simplistic. Um, The way these products work is a lot different. They're over the counter markets. They're not, it's not like going in and logging into your account and having a bid and an ask. Um, these are not, these are trade over the counter. So, but that's kind of, you know, a simplified way of looking at it. So if we look at, uh, and I'll put a link to this, CNBC actually has some sample sovereign uh, bonds, current uh, credit default swap spreads. And so here, for example, uh, and I'll link to this, the sovereign bonds, you could buy, well, I'm not saying you, but somebody could buy a German credit default swap five-year. Uh, so that would be on the German sovereign bonds, right? The German, might just like US Treasury, but these are German. And those are eight basis points, um, a little bit over eight basis points. So remember, eight basis points, uh, basically, you take the 100 divided by uh, the 8, um, sorry, the eight basis points divided by 100. And that tells you it's, you know, eight one hundredths of a percent. And so that would be your annual cost if you wanted to bet against, uh, you know, the German five year buns. I guess they're buns, right? And so one might say, too, like, why would you, I mean, wouldn't the German government, wouldn't the European Monetary Association, I mean, there's credit default swaps on US treasuries. Like, what, couldn't they just print more money? Uh, remember the other way that you could, the other reason you could buy these. I said I don't, I don't, I don't mean you, but um, an institution would buy these. Let's say they had a large holding of uh, sovereign bonds, uh, they could get paid out on their long holdings, and then they could buy some of these as insurance. And their their net earning is the spread between what they're paying and what they're taking in. But uh, that's essentially. Um, you know, the way that, that these products, and by the way, uh, credit default swaps or, or swaps are used throughout institutional world. Um, you might have an interest rate swap where let's say one con- company is, uh, is paying a fixed rate you know, long-term loan, but their cash flows are really more short-term. So they'd be better off you know, having a, a floating rate short ter- short-term you know, uh, loan. And another company has a floating rate, you know, short-term loan, and they'd be better off uh, from a cash flow standpoint of having a longer-term fixed-rate loan. And so in theory, these two companies could enter into uh, an interest rate swap and, one, and swap out the long duration, the fixed rate for the, the short-duration floating rate, and it just for a business reason, it works out better. Now, two companies could also uh, do a currency swap where you know, somebody needs uh, Euros and somebody else needs dollars, and they can enter in, into a swap. So these these are products that are used in the institutional world, and they could be used to hedge. They could also be used to speculate. But uh, bringing it back to the movie, one of the uh, there's an interesting point too towards uh, uh, towards the end of the movie, uh, where Mark Baum, played by uh, Steve Carell from The Office, the guy from The Office, the manager. He goes in and he's talking to somebody. I think it was Morgan Stanley, and uh, apparently they had taken some losses on, you know, some of these uh, these credit default swaps. And the woman was telling him they actually had a trader who bought triple B's and double B credit default swaps. So those are lower rated mortgages. And Steve Carell originally is like, "Hey, that's great. they're, They're smarter than I thought, right?" Um, but it turns out they actually sold double A's, single A's and double A's, could be double A's and triple A's, but they, they sold A's to collect the, the premium to help finance their cost of paying the premiums on their long, the ones they own, the credit default swaps. And the losses were much greater um, on the ones that they sold uh, because they didn't think the, the higher rated ones would ever go bad like they did. And there's a whole thing in the movie about that. So um, it is interesting, though. I pulled, uh, I did some, you know, uh, internet research, I'll call it, and uh, it's kind of interesting. I found some during the financial crisis, uh, for example, Iceland, where Iceland had some some sovereign issues and and debt issues and things like that. And July of '07, uh, their five-year credit default swaps on Iceland. Bonds, right? They were at 5.3 basis points. And then at one point, they went up to, you know, 14, 1,473 basis points. What that means is they went from an annual premium, if you wanted to bet against these, of five one hundredths of a percent uh, to almost 15% on an annual premium basis. And you can see uh, there's a couple charts if you search online. I also looked and uh, I found, uh, for example, AIG. AIG was a company. Um, my understanding is they they were involved in some of these derivative products and swaps and uh, collateralized debt obligations, things like that. Um, they actually went from a low of sixty eight basis points, uh, which is you know a little over half a uh, percent, right? To a high of 3,500 basis points. That would mean if you wanted to buy a credit default swap on AIG, you would have to pay about 35% of the value over a year uh, buying it. You know, at that. Um, And then uh, I think I also saw—I don't have it handy—but there was one where Bear Stearns, of course, Bear Stearns never went bankrupt. Theoretically, they just arranged a buyout to uh, uh, to J.P. Morgan. Lehman actually did go bankrupt, so. These are uh, these are sort of interesting products, and uh, recently uh, somebody had watched the movie, uh, The Big Short, and they were asking about these, and uh, so I thought it'd be interesting to do an episode on credit default swaps. Uh, they're not really understood. Uh, I w- I, would say I wouldn't recommend going out and buying any of these or selling any of these. Remember, if you sell these, you take in some premium, but. Um, you know, you're on the hook uh, for losses and these get a little bit complicated as far as when they pay out, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's not like buying a stock. It's not. Um, so this is more of a professional product, but, uh, I would encourage everyone, if you haven't seen the movie, the big shorter, I would read the book, but I know not, not everyone wants to spend the time reading a book, um, cause there's a lot more detail, but if you, mm. if you watch the movie, it's, uh, It's kind of interesting um, when they talk about credit default swaps and paying the premiums and basis points and tranches and double A's and single A's and double B's and triple B's. Um, Hopefully, this gives you a little bit more insight. And so if you watch the movie, maybe you listen to this and then watch it again. Or maybe you listen to this and and you watch the movie if you haven't. Um, So anyway, all right, folks. Uh, once again, uh, thanks for, uh, for listening. Keep the, uh, the comments coming via the email. You can go to razorwealth.com and hit up the, the contact me section. Uh, also, please send me ideas for future episodes. Uh, or if there's any guest uh, uh, you'd like to – if somebody wants to guest on here, uh, that's something we're going to be doing a little bit more of. Uh, so with that, uh, rather than waste time rating, reviewing, and starring – Go ahead and share this with somebody. Uh, pass along the link to uh, the back episodes and this episode, and encourage somebody to uh, to listen to it if they think it, it's valuable. Uh, and with that, we'll see you all next week.